It's me, Dr. Z with JB. In this episode, we continue exploring the tactics often used by someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Today, we discuss storing vulnerabilities. This is a strategic attempt to draw out one's vulnerabilities and insecurities, which is then used against them in the future. We review examples of this tactic and how to recognize it early on in a relationship. everybody it is uh session 33 of uh, it's uh, me dr z with jb i'm john barchard i am here with the very smart very talented uh <laughs> dr jamie zuckerman and uh it's morning for us so where i'm just gonna say good morning to you as well but good afternoon good evening as well uh we have uh, gotten a lot of feedback about uh throwing in a lot more narcissism topics so we wanted to do that this morning. Dr. Z, how are you? I am good. How are you? Uh, I could uh, I could use another I cup mean, of coffee. Kind of, I'm kind of, Yeah, I was going to say, no, I'm not, I'm not really good. <laughs> no one's really good, but... <laughs> no one's really good. I am... Um, I'm, I, I am... I've woken up. Let's just... <laughs> there we go. See, I like that honesty. <laughs> That's true. And uh, I have woken up, too. Um <laughs> And to be I honest, am awake. <laughs> we're just, and that's some di- some days you just got to roll with that. I am awake, and we're just going to see what rolls our way. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, one of the, uh, the the big things that we like to talk about here is those pillars of tactics uh, with uh, with narcissism, dealing with it, being around it, uh, whether that's you know romantically in business. Uh, any type of relationship, really, but a, a lot mm. of the times we do tend to focus on the emotional part here, and you know, uh, narcissists uh, tend to go for the go for the throat, uh, metaphorically here, when with our emotions. So um, that's why I think it's important to make everyone aware of uh, of what's kind of uh, going on with in a narcissist's head, and uh, there there is a, a lot of things we can try to do, try to make ourselves aware of, and one of those things during uh, what uh, Doctor Z likes to call during the love bombing stage, we've talked about that uh, in, a, in a couple of different sessions, um, when you're kind of first in this, uh, I'm in love with this person, or I really like where this relationship is going, and everything is free, and you kind of drop your guard and start saying all your all the things that you know make you worried about <laughs> you would never tell the world, and et cetera, et cetera, and then uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden it's kind of used against you as the relationship kind of goes on. So storing your vulnerabilities, explain, uh, explain mm-hmm. to us what, what exactly that is when it comes to narcissism, Dr. Z. Yes. So storing your vulnerabilities. Um, if you kind of think of it as like a card and a card catalog, I can't use that. Can I? A card catalog. Uh, if it's, you know, if it's 1985. Yeah. Right? God. All right. So yeah. So storing your vulnerabilities is when, let's say, you know, with the love bombing stage, one of the things that happens on your dates is you just get really close, really fast. And so you naturally feel super comfortable and very safe. And that's a tactic that somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder will use um, to be able to get you closer to them, feel vulnerable with them, kind of suck you in and they will start to say, you know, well, tell me about you. You know, how did you grow up? Who, you know, what was it like? And then because they make you feel so comfortable, um, it seems and feels organically natural almost or, or, you know, to just be able to speak your truth to them. 
And the reality is, is that if you take yourself out of the context of a relationship, how many people would really speak their truth to somebody they don't even know on date number two, date number three? Not many of us. Well, I in mean, fact, if, if, would, if you're a fan of Love is Blind, uh, maybe that's true. Correct. Yes. <laughs> correct. Don't get me started. And, um, and you know, it, but the truth of the matter is, is without those tactics, that context doesn't allow for that to happen because it would be very awkward if, you know, you're on date number two with someone and they start t- asking you to tell them about your trauma. You know, so it it it's this this context is created, this fantasy, this, you know, again, thank you, Disney, but this fantasy world is created of like this, like undying love. And I found you and oh my God. And let's talk about our deepest, darkest secrets because we both have the same ones. And so, you know, they'll make up stories or they'll, they'll manipulate their stories to make you feel comfortable telling you their stories. And then before you know it, a month in, they know everything about you, your deepest, darkest secrets, and you feel safe having told them. But really what they're doing is they're taking it and we'll use it. We'll use a home screen on a computer instead of a cart catalog. How does that work? <laughs> hey, on you your go. home screen, you have different folders, right? On their home screen, they have a folder for every person in their life. Every folder on their desktop is John, right? Jamie, um, Carrie, you know, it, 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 everyone has a folder. And when, when need be, click on the folder, open it up. And the folder has um, relationship with mom, relationship with dad, history and relationships, self-esteem, you know, all those things. And that's what they use later on in the relationship to really kind of knock down your self-esteem, to make you doubt yourself, say, you never said that. Yes, I didn't. No, you didn't. You know, those kinds of things. And to really hold your vulnerabilities against you to make you feel worse about yourself. And now they have taken over this position of authority almost on your life. And because you have very little self-esteem or self-concept left at this point, because it's been like wiped out, you, you believe what they say. And so they're using your vulnerabilities to further make you feel vulnerable rather than somebody who really cares about you saying, that's not true. That wasn't your fault. You're better than this. You know, you, you are a strong person. Look what you got through. You're resilient. That's not what they do with it. They go the opposite. And uh, kind of interesting that you mentioned that that Disney type of relationship is that kind of the playbook for most narcissists or of like that's what it's going to um, feel like? Yeah, well, I say thank you, Disney, <coughs> because Disney has this very, um, you know, that Hollywood romance because it sells, you know. Why does it sell? Because it's so appealing to us because it's not real. You know, like no one's going to come sweep you off your feet and go dancing through a ballroom and live happily ever after when they don't even know your name. Hey, that happened on my second date. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, (laughs) like, you know, think about it. Like, you know, I watch Frozen all the time with my kids and, you know, Anna meets the prince and they want to get married after meeting each other for one song, you know, and. You know, and her sister's telling her, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But she loves him and she's going to do this. And they, fit, they quote, finish each other's sentences and they're soulmates. And, you know, next thing you know, he has her trapped in a room and won't let her out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? See, that's an excellent right. point. Right. 
so um now i know people are listening to this saying well i met my future spouse and it was like this in the beginning that's awesome and like great and i'm not saying you don't have a healthy relationship you probably do but we're talking about a very specific subset of people who have a very distinct pattern so the people that had this in the beginning you're not going through discarding and devaluing and gaslighting. You're going through normal ups and downs in a regular, normal, healthy relationship. So it's not just the love bombing stage. It's what happens after the love bombing stage. It's what is used that they receive from the love bombing stage against you later. Some people who have these, you know, I don't believe necessarily that it should, that it fits like this, but like these people that just knew and fell in love and everything's been great and they told them everything early on, that's great. That's because you're not with a narcissist. So they're not going to use that information against you later. Exactly. They're going to use it to help you and enhance your life and help you grow and say, oh, no, 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 John, you're doing it again. Remember, you're, you're, act, you're responding to me as if I'm your dad and I'm not your dad. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm different. You don't need to do this. A narcissist isn't going to do that. No, uh, not at all. And uh, I wonder if there is... Is there a, a point in time, like, w- would you, even if you're, for, for someone that may or may not have walked into a narcissistic type of relationship, I hope you never do, um, is there, uh, should we be saying, don't be so vulnerable around people? Is, is that less being yourself? Like, well, how do you I kinda... think that, I think there's a boundary that goes with this. I think that everybody should tap into their boundaries a little bit. And you take an objective stance. Listen, we all want to find the one and, you know, but but there has to be, each person has to have a set of boundaries. So for you and you personally, what are your boundaries? What are you willing to talk about and not talk about? And understand that if you start talking about your childhood trauma on date one, it's not that that's normal or not normal. It's more of a boundary issue on your part. And if, because uh, I would describe myself as like an open book, and there's a lot of people who yeah. say, "Ah, oh, I'm an open book." Uh, yeah. is that a problem? <laughs> I mean, I think that in the dating world, I think being an open book allows for a healthy relationship. But I think that there's boundaries that should be put in place for you know, you don't if you're on a date and you're an open book, don't like jump to page one hundred. Start at page one, two, three, four. An open book just means you're willing to talk about everything but but start in the beginning you know like start start where it's appropriate well it was it was a warm spring in may right and uh i'm sorry the dinosaurs (laughs) my mother had just uh had her first glass of water of the afternoon and uh and there you missed my movie quote oh what was it i said back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth oh what is that from (gasps) oh I, 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 I'm, I'm so sorry. I probably know it, too. John Barchard. Back when the... It's Just not a, Jurassic Park. No. All right, I'll give you another one later on, and maybe you'll get it. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> so, you're yelling at me right now. I can hear it. I can I, hear it through the I, headphones. I, I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset. Um, I'm going to lie. No. Um, I think that it's, it's just... It, it, listen, it's going to vary for everybody. Obviously, if you meet somebody... And you met them in a context that like, um, let me try to think of something like maybe they're your childhood best friends and now you're dating 30 years later and they know about your life. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? That's different. 
But when you meet somebody new, you meet them on a dating app, you get set up on a first date, you may be an open book and you may be, feel super comfortable talking about that stuff very early on, but there's another person in the mix. And that person may not feel so comfortable with you talking about your deepest, darkest secrets before they know you well. And in business, what would this sound like <laughs> as if you were being too vulnerable? Does that mean just kind of, uh, you know, uh, personal information you're giving that to a boss a coworker, a colleague like, yeah is yeah that, is that what you like mean you're on a job you're on a job interview and you start talking about how you had a fight with your wife that morning and how she never listens to you and you feel you know really kind of deflated and you know your marriage has been like this for years and you want another kid and she does it and the boss is you know the guy interviewing you is just sitting there go or female interviewing you is just looking at you saying um what what makes you a strong candidate? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for one thing, uh, you know, well, me and my wife got into a fight, and uh, right, see I was what able I mean? to manage it's, it's, that. It's disproportionate. Yeah, that makes a ton <laughs> but, of sense. But if you know the boss and you've you've been working there for three years, and the boss comes to your house for Sunday night dinners all the time, and you go on vacations together, and like which I don't know how appropriate that would be either, but let's just say that's appropriate, <laughs> then you can see how then that could come up in those conversations. So the context has to match. And a lot of times people that tend to be the ones that are comfortable sharing that information early on tends to be people whose interpersonal boundaries are very open, which isn't a bad thing, but it's a bad thing when you're with a narcissist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, because it's crippling. It's it's yeah. You, you everything that is uh, you think is good about you is going to be used against you. So that's... well, everything you say is going to be used against you. Everything. Everything. They don't forget. They may pretend like they don't know it's your birthday. They'll pretend they forget that, right? But they're not going to forget this. No. Uh, and what is is there anything else? I mean, besides. You know, just keeping track of every literal thing that you've said to use it against you uh, down the line. Is there anything else that they do with your vulnerabilities besides just tracking, planning, and kind of setting you setting in for the kill, essentially? Yeah, I mean, they'll you know they'll purposely do things that will enhance your vulnerabilities without necessarily saying something directly to you. You know, let's say that you're super insecure. Let's say that. Um, you told them that, you know, no matter what you did was never good enough for your family. You never felt like you were good enough and, you know, they'd make you feel really bad about yourself. And, you know, you worked really hard to try to gain confidence over time. And so somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, you know, maybe you um, maybe you got a promotion at work. Right. And so a promotion has nothing to do with the narcissist. It doesn't benefit them directly in any way. It has no reflection on them. <clears throat> they don't like that. They don't like that the promotion is making you feel good about yourself. Why? Because they want to be the one who's in charge of your emotions. So they may do something like you come home, you cook dinner. This is the shittiest dinner I've ever had. You're a horrible cook. You're a horrible wife. Nothing you do is good enough. You know, so they may bring it up in that way. And they'll bring it up at times where they feel that they need to gain control over you or your emotions because that promotion kind of took control away from them a little bit. And if this is uh, not necessarily romantic, but what if it's family related, a mother, a father, mm -hmm. things like that? I mean, it's probably like infinitely harder 
to mm-hmm. to not have all those vulnerabilities on your plate because it's your mother they and father. Put them there. You know? But they remember they they put them there. That's right. Your parents <laughs> put them there. So your parents know exactly where to go. Why? Because they created it so they could go there. A narcissistic parent. And once you realize that uh, you know you're you're kind of battling this or you just feel like you're constantly not yourself and mm-hmm. you know you're you're trying to look for yourself again essentially you you have this term mm-hmm. in uh gray rocking which is mm-hmm. which is i i'm uh, i'm guessing just trying to stay stone cold and and not react to mm-hmm. anything they do cuz like we've discussed in a bunch of different uh narcissistic sessions and uh please feel free to go back through uh the podcast catalog if uh, if you need in- more information on anything that we're talking about here, but you know, you just never should react, even though they know everything about you, and that's very hard to do because it's a very emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what is what is gray rocking? How does that uh, kind of help? So, what gray rocking is is when you are trying. Let there's a diff- couple different ways. Let's say that you're it's a romantic relationship, and let's say that you are trying to get out of the relationship. Okay, or let's say that you are out of the relationship, for example. And you can't go no contact. Going no contact means cutting off all ties completely, blocking them on everything, um, emails, phones, social media. Um, if you see them out, you 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 know you you, you don't re- you don't go there. You know, you, like completely cut them out of your life, which yeah. is very hard, but sometimes often very necessary. So there's certain situations where that's not possible. Let's say it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a boss, it's a colleague, um, it's um, you know somebody. Who let's say it's your neighbor, right, or um, it's a sibling, just someone where it's difficult to completely cut off for numerous reasons. So what gray rocking is is exactly kind of what you you said. It's you know what's a gray rock? It's there's nothing to it, right? It's very boring, dull, mundane, monotonous. There is nothing unique, attractive, nothing about it. It just is, right? Like we see gray rocks all the time. We don't even notice. We just like walk, right? So what that really means from a behavioral standpoint is narcissists need and require supply. And what supply is, is anything they can get from you emotionally or, you know, um, physically like sex would be a supply or, you know, being able to control your self-worth and your uh, your sadness and your your energy your your humor your your happiness anything they can get from you it doesn't have to be bad but just they want to be the one to extract that from you until they suck you dry and so then they move on to somebody else right um so you want to position yourself as exactly what I said, this gray rock where they literally cannot get anything from you. So you walk by them in the hallway at work, they say hello, you nod, you're neutral, you don't ignore them necessarily because sometimes when you're doing that gray rock kind of response, ignoring somebody or rolling your eyes at them is a response. They know you're pissed and they like that. So they know they've gotten to you. They know in that moment they have access to your emotions. So something as simple as, you know, hi, nod your head, keep on walking. What that does is it doesn't give them anything. You actually treated them very indifferently. 
You gave them nothing to sink their teeth into. And that is, uh, you know, that's <laughs> exactly gray rocking. Like, that's all I think yeah. of just like somebody trying to yep. sink their teeth into your neck and yes. there's just nothing there. That's just the. Uh... There's nothing there. Your necklace. <laughs> you have no neck. You have no neck. <laughs> no <laughs> neck, no blood. You have, you have... Get no, out of no, there. Right. You got you got nothing. You are boring. You were dull. And the point of this is for them to become completely disinterested in you, not because they don't like you anymore, because they never did in the first place. Not because they don't love you anymore, because they never did in the first place. And I know people are listening just going, they are human beings with feelings. This is not okay to say. They never loved you. Yeah. They never loved you. They loved you if you did everything that they said and only in that way. And then as soon as you blinked wrong, they don't love you anymore. So it's a whole different episode. But, um, you know, it, it's it, if you think about it, they're no longer getting from you what they need. They're no longer getting a reaction. They're no longer in control of you. They're no longer getting responses from you, good, bad, or, you know, crying, angry, whatever. They are getting neutrality and narcissists don't like neutrality as a response to them because neutrality makes them have to sit with themselves like neutrality gray rocking essentially holding a mirror up to them say here because you're not giving them anything so all they have now is what they can give themselves in that moment and they don't like that and they're going to run from that because deep down somewhere buried, they are extremely insecure, vulnerable, and that will never come out no matter how much therapy you do. It just won't happen. And so the worst thing you can do is hold a mirror up to them because they're going to run from that. And that's what you want. You don't want them to bother you anymore. You don't want them to interact with you anymore. Will they come back and try to interact with you again? 100%. Absolutely 100%. Just to see if your gray rock maybe turned a little blue. Yep. Ooh, blue. I like that. That's a blue. good color. Yeah. Blue to gray. Yeah. We'll have blue different gray, color gray yeah. rocks right? by the end of the episode, everybody. Right. And uh, right. And so like, and then your blue turns to purple. And the next thing you know, there is no gray rocking and you're back into square one again. And so you you really want to make sure that you maintain that because just because it works now doesn't mean that they're not going to try again. They're going to try again when their current source of supply is not effective for them anymore. Yeah, and the it's it, it's hard to sometimes realize that just even arguing with them or being annoying or trying to be more annoying than them to repel them, it's just it it's like a yeah, it's like turning on the 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 little uh, the light switch in the summertime to zap all the mosquitoes. It's just like no, it's the, right. you're gonna keep creating those fights over and over again, and that is right hard to do, especially when they're just oh, yeah. you know trying to flip you left and right here and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, like, I know we've, we've touched on this, uh, before, but how are you supposed to do that with, with parents? You mm-hmm. know, like how are you, is there, is there a, a just setting, setting that boundary line and yeah. constantly just yeah. doing that over and over and, and yes. hoping for the best essentially. So the boundaries that you're going to set with parents when you're gray rocking as an adult parent or adult child, um, you know, is going to be something like if they're texting you novels about how you're a shitty kid, about how they raised you, you owe them. Um, how could you abandon me because you moved out of my house at 35? Like, you know, like there's, there's, there's certain things that are going to be obvious digs or obvious statements and manipulation. When you get those text messages or emails, I tell people, do not respond. Do not respond. 
But if they text you and message you, and because you can't cut them off completely, let's say, if they message you something like, um, you know, your son left his sweatshirt at my house, you write back, okay, oh, thanks, I'll come get it. You know, but then if they immediately go back into, why would he leave it here? Don't you teach him how to keep his stuff with him? He's going to be irresponsible, just like you. Then you don't write back. But in five seconds later, if they say, all right, I'm leaving it outside for you to get, you just write back, okay. So you, you pick and choose what you want to respond to. And by nature of doing that, you are setting this massive boundary that they can say whatever they want to you. We can't control that. The, the gray rocking isn't to get them to be different. They're not. The gray rocking is for you to be able to regain a sense of calm and peace and order and control over your world regardless of what they say and just like you said so, make them make them disinterested and wanting to text you shit like that you yeah. want to be the most boring human being possible which is very difficult for people who have been in a narcissistic relationship who after years and years and years of emotional abuse don't view themselves as functioning unless they're with the narcissist. And so when they get the courage to leave safely from this type of relationship, you know, it, they really have no sense of self to be found. You really have to dig deep to pull it back out of them. So it's scary for them to, even though it was unhealthy, it's scary for them to not have somebody to tell them what they're worth. And I wonder, you you had mentioned it before as well. Uh when you're holding up that mirror to a narcissist, no matter what t type of narcissist you're dealing with, um, is there ever a little bit of vulnerability that ever comes out or is that all kind of a, a lie too? You know, cause so, like in, in, in spurts, yeah. I feel like I've heard yes. a couple of narcissists just be vulnerable for a second and then zip tie it like it never happened. So, okay. So there's a couple things with that. One, it depends how severe the narcissism is. If it's, you know, it's on a continuum. So the more, you know, traits you have, the further down the line, if you're dealing with someone with true narcissistic personality disorder and you see a vulnerability come out, one of two things is going to happen. Okay. They're lying about it to try to get something from the situation at hand. Meaning they're telling you something that they're vulnerable about, but not because they want to share it with you, but because they want you to think that they care and pull something out of you like storing your vulnerabilities. They'll use that strategy to pull something out of you. Yeah. So they may tell you a story about them, but they're flat about it. They don't have any connection to it. Or what they're doing is it may have slipped out somehow, but not because they want to share their life with you. It slipped out because you hit a trigger, you hit a nerve. And then what you're going to experience after that is narcissistic rage. Ah, okay. So when you tap yeah. when you tap into a vulnerability or they somehow show it, they it's unbearable. They cannot do that. So they are then going to go into a narcissistic rage, which can look like, you know, screaming, arguing, you know, that that eyes turn a different color, scary screaming. Um, you know, they can get violent, they can um, give you the silent treatment. That's also another type of narcissist. You know, narcissistic rage doesn't have to be rage. It could be they just pick up and leave. Um, yeah. And you're wondering, what did I do? Where did they go? Where they give you a random silent treatment for weeks so you don't know what happens. Uh, that's uh, that's good to know. Yeah, I, I and now that I think about it, the, the, I think about one person in particular, and yeah, that's exactly what their pattern is. 
because you know uh, it'll be a cry fest all of a sudden, and mm-hmm. then the next thing you know, it's the silent treatment, or it's you know flipping mm-hmm. out, flipping out because a piece of paper is not organized the, That's the right. correct way, or whatever it is. That's so, right. That's right. Appreciate That's you right. because what on they that. do, yeah, what they do is that they'll then you know because that that insecurity has been tapped, they're going to overcompensate because it is unbearable for that to be seen for them. So they need to change the context immediately. So now they either need to focus on you being a really shitty person or they need to manipulate something or something or, you know, like, oh, I never said that, you know, just something to get it off of them because that's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. And that's a big reason why therapy, you know, I get so much crap for this, but that's a big reason why narcissists don't go to therapy. And if they have true narcissistic personality disorder, there's very minimal change that's ever going to take place. Man, that's uh, great info as always, Dr. Z. Uh, and we know that uh, you have been, you know, asking for uh, more narcissistic episodes. Um, and certainly uh, me and Dr. Z, or at least selfishly, I really want to get into uh, n- uh, narcissistic uh, people in the court system because I think that's mm, one of mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Z's big hot button topics as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, just wanted to say appreciate all the feedback and I- I'll keep everything anonymous. Uh, just so uh, you know, but me and Dr. Z will always uh, happily read uh, some messages that get passed uh, to my DMs. Uh, you can follow me at John Barchard at uh, J-O-H-N-B as in boy, A-R-C-H-A-R-D. Uh, and somebody left us a nice note, so I just wanted to mention that here, Dr. Z, just saying, hi, love your podcast with Dr. Z. Wow, it's opened my eyes. Uh, you mentioned in one of your podcasts to let people know uh, what they'd like to mo- hear more of, and I wasn't sure where to send that feedback, and and uh, here you are. So more narcissistic episodes, please. The ones you've done have been so insightful and help, uh, helped me Aww. better understand the whirlwind textbook narcissist empath uh, situation that I've uh, gotten out of. Thank you so much. So yes, please, more episodes on that. Keep up the great work, and thank you. So appreciate all the messages. And, uh, that was so nice. That thank was you. very nice. Um, yes. And uh, we, uh, th- th- those are the types of uh, messages that uh, honestly keep us keep this train running, and we really appreciate that because at the end of the day, it's about helping you. And honestly, I'm being selfish. I'm, I, need, I need some help, too. That's why, <laughs> that's why we're all here. So, um, uh, Dr. Z, anything uh, that we need to be aware of before we talk next week? Mm, I don't got that think fabulous so. I book think that's coming out in April. I'm, I'm, oh, now it's May. Oh, I, it's May. I found out now it got pushed back to May, so May 10th. But but you can pre-order it now on Amazon um, or Target, Barnes & Noble. It's called Find Your Calm, a workbook for managing your anxiety. May 10th, which is seven days after Dr. Z's birthday. Okay. So, oh, uh, John, you remembered. <laughs> and eight days after mine. That's why we're both awesome Tauruses. See, I know we're going to be thirty. Uh, I'm so exactly, turning thirty yeah. and turning thirty. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, at uh, Doctor uh, uh, at underscore Doctor Z Psychologist on the old uh, Instagram at uh, Doctor Z Psychologist on Twitter, uh, and uh, can't wait to uh, get to more messages. Leave five stars of reviews on uh, Apple Pods. If you uh, want to write anything in there, uh, we will certainly talk about it there as well. If you're not down with the social media game, so uh, I uh, we will uh, we'll see you next time on session 34, and uh, that's going to do it for us. For it's me, Doctor Z with JB. Okay, bye bye. Everyone, bye.